Ben Jawalski, what's going on? I'm excited to be back for another incredibly entertaining episode of Scale and Bill podcast. Really? Are they ever incredibly entertaining? They're always incredibly entertaining. Are they? Are oh, you sure? Yeah. Absolutely. I've never listened to one, but I, I'm sure they are. Somebody messaged me over the weekend to tell me tell me how much they were entertained and how funny they were. And I'm like, I don't think they're funny at all. <laughs> like, I'm, that's not, no offense to you. It's, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not I'm trying to offend myself. John. I'm a funny well, guy. Like, I don't think we ever go out of our way to try to be funny. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I don't do I don't do stand-up comedy. I do memes and those are dumb on their own. Like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I guess, you know, I'm grateful if people find it entertaining and funny. I just never find it funny. Maybe they're watching the YouTube and they just like think we look funny. Maybe. That's, that's it. Well, we have a guest, Larry Thomas on. Larry, do you think it's funny? Have you ever seen the show? Oh, sure. <laughs> I think you guys are funny, so I think that just adds a layer of humility to to the whole situation. <laughs> that was that was a professional way to deflect. I like that. You, I bet you're a great coach. I can tell already. How'd that look, Coach? Oh, for you, great. Yeah, for that that was pretty solid based on what I've seen from you before. Yeah, exactly. That's a great answer. I like that. That's that's good stuff. So, uh, Larry's obviously new to the show, new to me. Uh, ben invited you on. Larry, tell me about yourself, man. Where are you from? What do you do? Give me the dirt. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate you guys having me on. Pleasure to be here with both of you. Um, so uh, my name is Larry Thomas, originally from the Baltimore, uh, Maryland area, but currently now, yeah, Ben, we both got 410 numbers still. 410, what up? I remember when he first texted me, I was like, oh my gosh, you're from Maryland? Are yes. you, wait, are you a Ravens fan? Are we going to have to go through this? No, no, we're good. I'm not a Ravens fan. Oh, thank and, uh, God. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big college football guy, so no no NFL allegiance. All right, good. <laughs> which which raises some eyebrows when I say the next thing and that I, I currently live in the Boston area now. So then, then people immediately jump to, oh, are you a Pats fan? I'm like, no, you're safe. You're safe. Like, <laughs> And you went two for two with me. That makes me happy. I, I, work, for, I work for a company that's based out of Boston, and God, God save me if they have any kind of good sports team, because every conference calls, I mean, and, you know, I was dealing with it in the years when Brady was still there. And so yeah. every weekend <laughs> it was like, Oh, you would think this guy like just poops out golden eggs. Like it was just terrible. Having to listen to it every single week and thank it's, God it's over. It's cr- and then on the opposite end, man, they lose the game and no one goes to work the next day. Like <laughs> the city's quiet. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. But um, yep. yeah. As far as what I'm involved in here, um, I am an affiliate owner. I own two affiliates here in, in the greater Boston area. Um, I work for CrossFit HQ and training and education. So I'm on the CrossFit seminar staff doing level one and level two seminars. Um, prior to this year, I was actually working in gym operations as well as the affiliate rep for my region. So I spent about a year or so uh, in that role. Um, and then to top it all off, I am also working as the uh, partnership manager for my region for a nonprofit organization called the Phoenix. Man, you're busy. I keep busy. You are busy. <laughs> you are very busy. Wait, you're at the Phoenix. Did we met? Yes, we have met. I yes. thought you were just doing that for the podcast. Oh I man, mean... you're killing me. Yes. <laughs> I'm John. old dude. Yeah, they get ten points for John. Yeah. I thought you were just. I thought you were just doing that for the sake of the audience. He no, was like, no, no, no. Hey, it's hey, all hey. coming back. Look, you got. <laughs> look, you got to understand. I meet. I've met you at Waterpalooza. I meet yes. a ton yeah. of people. Yeah, I took. You, you also me. have early onset. You know, various aging. <laughs> well, brain it's, issues, it's a so. very. There's a very real possibility, Ben, since that runs in the family, that could be yep. coming on at some point in my life. And I'm not convinced <laughs> it isn't now. But yeah, I was in the CrossFit tent and somebody yep. introduced yep. me to Larry. And yeah, you got to keep in mind, like those weekends for me are like a whirlwind yeah and i get a thousand introductions mm-hmm. and and you know and like i i apologize i try to keep up no, it's i'm not that good. smart dude i'm good. not that hey. smart <laughs> but i did remember the phoenix yeah, yeah. i get extra points for at least remembering that because i it's a charity i really like and you know most of the nonprofits are really kind of dear to my heart so you guys are doing good work for Don't sure stop remembering <laughs> It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Damn it, Ben. You should have like given me the heads up. I, I don't know who you've met or who you haven't met. You should just assume that I've met everyone and then make me do some research. I, well, you know, I, I'm sorry. We like to just jump into things with no planning whatsoever. It's like, you know, the, the phrase of like jumping off the cliff and building the plane on the way down. We just jump off the cliff and don't yes. even worry about the plane. Keeps it authentic. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm notorious for not doing any research. Nikki and I did a show a few weeks ago uh, on my other show, 
and uh, we had a guest on from Hyrox, and he's the they, and all they said is like, hey, it's the founder of Hyrox, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this guy on, and we interview him. And we have a great conversation, and during the course of the conversation, he makes some comment about the Olympics, you know, like he's been to the Olympics and, and the way it came off, it's like, he's been as a, as a spectator. So I didn't give it a second thought, no follow-up question, nothing. So when the show is over, uh, I go to Google his name cause he has a, he's German and he has this name that's hard to spell. And I want to make sure I spell it right for the show notes. And I go Google him and he has two Olympic gold medals. And it quite literally says he's the world's greatest field hockey champion Germany has ever had. I'm like, Man, this is so on brand for me. I've got a, a double Olympic, you know, gold champion. He's got God knows how many titles. He's literally in their Hall of Fame. I got no clue, like none. Like that's how it rolls. So you're doing great. You're doing great. Now I thought I'd learned my lesson. I start doing research, but obviously it didn't take. So. <laughs> Hey, what, uh, what affiliates do you own? What are your affiliates called? Yeah, so Commonwealth CrossFit is in Somerville, Massachusetts, and CrossFit Accolade is in Arlington, Massachusetts. How, how far are you guys from downtown Boston? Uh, Somerville would be more proximal, and I'd say about 15-ish minutes, but in Boston traffic, that could be a year. It could be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, at, I'm in Boston like two or three times a year, and I always want to drop in and fill it, but that's always the fear. It's like, yeah. you know, you go get an Uber, and it yeah. could take you 10 minutes. It could take you 10 days. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, we found a connection there one year. Some Uber driver just gave us our cell number. One of my peers was very young and very attractive and he really liked her. He wasn't because of me, believe me. <laughs> and uh, anytime we'd come to town, we'd text this dude and he'd pick us up and he'd take us through all those back streets and you could get yeah. anywhere quick. Just zip around. Yeah. yeah. Well, next time you're in town, let me know. And uh, definitely happy to uh, accommodate you having coming in for a visit. Yeah. I'd love that. I can uh, show your team what true mediocrity looks like. <laughs> It'd be fun. Yeah. How'd you, uh, how'd you get hooked up with Phoenix? Um, long story short, I had a friend that worked there before I did. And just through my network and working for the HQ, um, they called me up one day just to make a connection for them. Nothing to do with actually being a part of the Phoenix organization itself. Um, but after that, I just kind of stuck around, kept asking questions, wanting to help and led to me volunteering. And ultimately that just snowballed into me, uh, going to work for them just because I, I just, continued to like everyone that I met along the way. And I wanted to add a little bit more purpose and meaning to my, my time, the spare time that I had amongst all the other things I got going on. Right. But uh, yeah, I just felt, I just felt the connection and I just pursued that opportunity just to, 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 again, just add value for myself personally. Yeah. Everyone I've ever met from the Phoenix is like genuinely kind and funny and like really energetic. Like I, yeah. I, I think there's something about people. I don't know this firsthand. I'm just speculating. You can tell me if I'm wrong if I am. But I have this theory that people that are in recovery or choose sobriety have a a greater appreciation for life. Yeah, or, or I mean, enjoying life maybe for sure. But, yeah, you definitely hear that a lot. You know, I'm not you know in recovery myself, so it's it's definitely. Um, you know, it gives me perspective to just see and hear everyone's story. And a lot of them, they're just appreciative for where they're at, right? Like, you know, not naming any specific scenarios, but some of them are in positions where they never thought they'd be here, right? Like they, they right. everything that they have right now is is all new to them. And and so you just, when you wake up with that every day like this, you, you know, you just got to pep in your step, you know, so. I had, um, who did I have on? One of their spokesmen came on the other show. I forget his name now, so it's Two years ago. Because you didn't do any research prior to one brand as we found. Yeah, yeah, no, him I remember. I mean, this yeah. he was I just can't remember saying it's been two years, Ben. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like two years is a long time for me. Um, but I do remember in the course of the conversation, he said one of the prerequisites for coming to a, a Phoenix meeting is you have to be sober for I think twenty four hours. Forty eight and yeah. forty eight hours. And keep in mind I was at the game, so I'm like, Well, I guess I'm out. <laughs> I spent a lot of time at that Tito's tent yeah. uh, the day prior. <laughs> sure. Yeah. it's a great it's a great group of people um we've i've done a couple couple like guest seminars uh at their at their like headquarters here in denver they have like a really really nice space um and yeah they're just awesome people and then uh additionally uh the way that larry and i met was for uh fire camp so mm-hmm. the forging youth resilience summer camp Love is out here in boulder um, and, uh, Larry and I did a tag team, like group workout, and it was probably one of the funnest classes I think I've ever run. Like it was so much fun. And then, uh, uh, he did some teaching. Um, and then also I did, he, you did some teaching about like 
basically like how to become a coach, right? Was that yeah, sort so of like you, the pipeline? Uh, yeah. So you did the the skill breakdown and then I just showed like a model, like, how, you know, how to run a class and the whole teaching and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, I taught some people some double unders and it was yeah. awesome. And the kids were so much better at learning and absorbing and listening than like every adult I've ever taught. It was amazing. Dude, kids blow me away. Like when I, uh, when my daughters were uh, younger, they used to go to CrossFit with me for a short while. And my youngest daughter picked up double unders in like an hour. It took, I swear to God, when I, I started at 40 and it took me six months maybe to learn she had i swear to god she had them in an hour she had them good i don't mean like she was doing one or two i mean she was doing like sets of 20 30 like just crank and like you know kids have this amazing ability to just listen and go that's the way it's done okay i'll do it that way they don't try anything else they just look yeah. the way you tell them yeah. to do it you know <laughs> it's really if we could i i aspire to be that kind of a student but mm-hmm. i will never be that kind of student <laughs> Reminds me of my, he's not like necessarily a kid compared to me. He's, you know, four or five years younger than me, something like that. Not good with dates, but that reminds me of the the time that I tried to teach my younger brother how to do a muscle up. It was literally like I was hanging rings from my basketball hoop um, at my parents' house over uh, spring break, I think with, you know, during college, I hung up these rings and I'm like trying my darndest to get a muscle up. And like, I finally got a couple and of course the rings are like all weird. Like it's hanging from a basketball hoop, all weird and awkward and can't really kip. And, you know, but like, I finally got one and then he, my brother drew comes out and he's, you know, the youngest brother. And I always like to think that I'm more athletic and faster and better looking and smarter. Probably not smarter, but all the, you know, important things right. over my younger brothers, but he comes out and I show him, I'm like, yeah. So like, here's what a muscle up looks like. And I show him like kind of a muscle up and he's like, huh, any tips? And I was like, yeah, you know, here's how you do a false grip, you know, you know, see, see how it goes for you. And he hits one his mm-hmm. first time. Per- perfect strict ring muscle up, like without even any effort. And oh, you I'm mean like, like this? <laughs> yeah, literally. He's like, he's like, I, is that right? And I was like, yes, Drew, it was right. And I was so angry. So That's, angry. Yeah, you broken. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah he broke, broke it. it. I love it. Larry, how'd you find CrossFit? Uh, yeah, the short of it is, so I was a strength and conditioning coach before CrossFit and I was working at a private training facility who happened to add CrossFit as one of the programs under the same roof. So like right next door to me while I'm training, you know, these middle and high school kids, um, you know, on the turf, there's CrossFit happening and a buddy of mine was one of the instructors. And so without knowing what it was, I was taking classes with him just because that was our time to work out together. And then you know, fast forward somewhere down the line, I learned what it was and, and then pursued this whole thing um, as I stand today. So, yeah. And you're like the rest of us, you get suckered in. And you just- <laughs> Basically. <laughs> we were talking about this over the weekend, actually, like what type of personality it takes to do CrossFit in your opinion, like what do you, in order to like want to be drawn in and stay, like what, what kind of personalities do you see? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely the, the sporty however you want to categorize that right the sporty individual that's that's what got me into it right like I was just out of college I played football and so this was like my next sport it gave me something to train for you know local competitions was my new game day so like there's definitely um you know that aspect of it um you know being here in Boston you know another another large demographic I see is those folks who come from highly academic backgrounds and like have never been an athlete or never been called an athlete before in their life and so like this is like a new lease. This is an opportunity for them to go and be an athlete and learn all these skills and have a good time with something that they've never done before. They never played a team sport. They never, you know, felt a part of a team, right. Other than like, you know, maybe their lab mates and classmates. So, so there's that demographic, um, that, you know, the, the, the super health conscious individuals who, who want to do something that's gonna, you know, change their life, change the way they look, change the way they feel. Um, and then there's just that general group of crazies who are willing to just try anything and they see people flipping tires and, and running through a brick wall and they want to do it. <laughs> yeah. I call that, that's the douchebag group. <laughs> so on that note, I was actually talking to, um, a friend, uh, this weekend at, I was at a business conference and yep. he's like, you know, Hey, like I'm thinking of, I want to try CrossFit. Like, you know, I've, I've done some long distance stuff, you know, but I don't know if CrossFit's going to be right for me. Like, it seems like a different you know, vibe than what I'm into. And I just, I, I started explaining to him the kinds of people that mm-hmm. I've seen fall in love with CrossFit. And what's so cool is like, 
there is no one size fits all. Yeah, sure. You have like, you know, the crazies, the people who are like, I'm hardcore. Therefore I do CrossFit, you know, like you have, you have that maybe stereotypical mindset or, or personality type. But what's so fascinating is I can't even count the amount of times there have been what I would say, like very shy, timid mm -hmm. individuals that come in and I'm not expecting them to like the class that I'm running, like based on just my, like their demeanor, right. I probably jumped to a judgment maybe too soon, but obviously I'm very optimistic that CrossFit's right for them. But I've seen these very like just timid, shy people, quiet, like you can't even really tell if they're having a good time and then they fall in love with it. And uh, that's happened with members of my family. That's happened with, you know, uh, old members that I've had uh, at the original affiliate that I opened. And then even like some of our best one-on-one -on -one athletes at Wad Prep, like they started off like really shy, really timid, and they've just like blossomed into, you know, they're still probably shy and timid in some public domains, but when it comes to CrossFit, like their confidence is through the roof. They're confident in themselves. They're like, look at me, like I'm making progress and I can do these amazing feats of strength and I can do these skills. It's just so cool to watch people from all different aspects of life kind of come into their own. Um, and find cross find a way for CrossFit to make them uh, a better human being, whether that's more confidence, mm -hmm. uh, more uh, more humility, more strength, mm -hmm. more skills, things like that. I love it. Does CrossFit really give us more humility? It, it, I I feel like it does for the athletes. So like when I when I see like uh, Larry and I both like you know collegiate athletes in some way, shape, or form, and it's like when you when you come from like I'm athletic and then try CrossFit the first time and see people absolutely annihilating your scores and your times that, that to me was a perfect breeding ground for like, like it was like, I was humbled by the fact that I was not doing as well as I thought I should be. So it like, you know, I thought I was really fit, but then CrossFit showed me I wasn't nearly as fit as I thought I was. Uh, but then it was also like the fire under, you know, my butt to, to get going and, and, you know, use it to compete and to get really fit. So like, for me, it was like very humbling in the beginning. So I was like, <laughs> holy crap, I'm way out of shape compared to what I thought I was. I mean, I see your point. I'm just no, like when I walk into a CrossFit gym and I see it packed full of shirtless people mm. and heavyweights, my first thought isn't, man, look at all these humble, there's <laughs> <laughs> full of humility. I yeah. never Temporarily that. humbling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get your point though. I, I can see that. I mean, I didn't come from an athletic background, so I guess, you know, I'm missing out on that experience. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I am humbled by the things that I can't do. And there are right. quite a few, but uh, it's a, it's a different type of humbling <laughs> maybe. Uh, what's your experience like at your affiliate Larry? I mean, you got two, so you know, yeah. do, you, do you find major differences between the two and, and how you have to coach those athletes or, you know, are our gyms becoming so standardized these days they are more cookie cutter. Yeah. It's such a machine, man. They're all, no, I'm just kidding. They're definitely different uh, for sure. Um, speaking to my personal experience, like my gyms are in two different towns and the demographic and the makeup of those towns are so different that it dictates a different audience within each gym respectively. Um, my, my Somerville gym, as I mentioned, the one closer to the city happens to be more proximal to some of the academic, uh, uh, you know, campuses, like right at the back door of Harvard and, you know, MIT and Tufts is not too far. And so, you know, we'll get a younger population. We'll get folks in kind of that secondary, you know, higher education range, you know, and so with that, a little bit a more- A bunch school, of dumb jocks, you know, Harvard, <laughs> yeah. you know, saying, so, MIT, yeah. like you're kind of getting like, woof, damn, <laughs> really dumb people in there. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we always joke that like, you know, my my gym's like solving world problems. Like they're, you know, they're going to be, you know, we, we, they're definitely taking us to the to the next stage where it is in life. Do MIT students have the same problem counting 21159 like the rest of us? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, they do because yeah. That 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 intelligent part of their brain, when they walk through those gym doors for some reason, just gets left outside, and yeah. and, and now it's <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, but yeah, so uh, a younger, you know, vibrant demographic, and so like the, the the vibe and the energy of the place is much different. You know, the social activities, the workouts themselves, um, just how people look and feel and carry themselves. And then Arlington is in a suburb, so it's a much more mature demographic. These are people that have kids and grandkids, and you know they own their houses and have lived in this town for forever. And and so these folks, 
most of them didn't even know what CrossFit was and, and had never heard of it. They just came because this gym opened close to the house and, and that was all they knew. But they stayed because they loved it from the community standpoint. And it's an opportunity, again, for them to move and just feel better about themselves. So, um, <clears throat> you know, much more intentional about how we create relationships with those folks to keep them coming back because they're not tantalized by the heavy barbell. They wanted to meet people that they can connect with that would bring them back. So definitely some contrast there for sure. So talk to me about that. Are you, when you're saying you're trying to create this experience for them is through the programming or the coaching? Uh, From the top down, everything, Um, you know, so both gyms follow the same programming, but for a while, um, the newer uh, Arlington is actually, you know, only about two years old. So it was in its infancy and Commonwealth is 11 years old. And so there's definitely like an established culture and the level of ability of the athletes was much higher. So in the onset, they had separate programming and we were trying to gradually introduce new skills and technique to the, to the, to the newer gym. And, you know, we were changing the prescribed loads for things and, and, and things of that nature, right? Like in going with medicine balls and dumbbells before we got to heavy barbells. And so now they follow the same programming, but when we talk about intended stimulus and we introduce the wad and that sort of deal, like that language is a little bit different, a little bit more relative to the demographic, um, you know, respected to the other location. And, you know, we, we really emphasize with regards to our teaching progressions, trying to keep things simple and allow them to just move without having to think too much so that they can continue to enjoy themselves and not be defeated by, so many faults in their movement, right? Like, because there's still some good stuff happening there, you know, as they come in and move through that hour. So it's just a little change in our approach in terms of how we introduce and how we teach these workouts that makes all the difference for them. We were just talking about this this weekend mm-hmm. at the gym, me and my uh, co I own an affiliate here in Cleveland and we were tossing around some ideas and we've been talking about um, bringing on high rocks programming. Mm-hmm. To, to bring in kind of an additional demographic because I am firmly in the camp that you should not water down CrossFit programming. Like I'm not going to change CrossFit to bring in more people. CrossFit mm-hmm. is CrossFit. If you want to bring in more people, you can offer other things, yoga, high rocks, whatever, mm-hmm. and kind of do separate things, but you still have to do CrossFit. Mm-hmm. How do you do that for, you know, you were talking about this kind of elderly or older group and I'm going to be cautious with say elderly because I'm afraid <laughs> you're talking about my age. Um, but like, how are you? Elderly you is forty that? and above, right? Forty yeah. and above, yes. Totally <laughs> elderly. You're right. Um, how do you do that though, without watering it down? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the short of it is, meet them where they are. Right. Like they they have they have things that are going to you know solicit that that gratifying response you know for them relative to what we get. Like if I hit a you know PR on my snatch, I'm jumping up and down. If they are able to get a 12 inch box jump. They're happy, right? Like, so we got to make sure we understand what their goals are meet them where they are in terms of acknowledging the successes that they're achieving. So, like I said, if an individual is struggling with a snatch, I may celebrate that they have the proper grip and technique and setup for the movement as opposed to how the movement ended. Right. And they feel accomplished versus me beating them down with, you know, again, the faults that occurred along the way. Right. So just, it's, it's more of a, relationship psychological thing that that we that you want to you know kind of bring to that experience as opposed to um and and again i'm not obviously not saying to disregard technique because that's still important because we're prioritizing safety for sure right especially with this population um but just you know the things that we celebrate and the things that we prioritize like we 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 make some small tweaks there and and these folks again want to pick up their kids they want to carry their groceries they want to you know go on hikes on the weekend and be and be active and so we just relate the experience that they're getting in the gym to how it can benefit those activities elsewhere in their life and they buy in and they see the benefit there and they continue to go for it and not for nothing there's a carrot you know, they see the folks who can do muscle ups and walk on their hands and things like that. And they, and they laugh and they're like, Oh my God, like I'll never be able to do that, but it's fun for them to try because it's something new that they've never done before. And as long as they're not getting hurt, they're having a great time chasing after those, you know, those accolades, but still understanding where they are relative to, you know, their overall fitness and what their goals are. I'll say it's all fun and games till Nana breaks her hip. That, that's what I say. Yeah. We're definitely yeah. conscious of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've been trying to get, I've been trying to get my gammy to, learn handstand walks but for whatever reason she just won't try <laughs> she's lazy man she needs to work harder she's so lazy come you, on you, gammy you use all the wide prep lingo on her like come on gammy do hard things yeah, Let's do go. hard things that's it man that's yeah. how do you how do you get your coaches like on i mean you're, you're just one guy two yeah. two gyms how many coaches do you have 
Yeah, so we got 14 total combined between the wow. two locations. And um, I'm a very... I'm a very coach first guy. Um, you know, when, when I bought Commonwealth CrossFit, everyone, you know, kind of asked, you know, what, what the vision was, what, what things that I see that I would change and, and that sort of deal. And, you know, the first answer for me was the, the, the culture around the coaches. I wanted to make sure that we had team cohesion. I wanted to make sure everyone understood my vision and was on board with that vision and saw how they fit into that vision because it, it's from the top down. You know, it starts with me and my transmission of culture and knowledge to them, and then they can go and run a great class, and then the members benefit from that. So it's kind of that collective. Uh, so <clears throat> the short of it is, is that I'm very intentional about my interactions and contact with my coaches. You know, we have regular one-on-one check-ins, and these are unrelated to the gym. And I make it a point when we pick up that call that, hey, this is about you and your kids and your life outside the gym. I want to hear how you're doing. I want to hear what's going on in your world. We got plenty of time to talk about gym stuff elsewhere. Um, so there's that un-gym related check-in. Then we have regular coach development that happens. So that's where we're, you know, talking shop technique, scene and correcting drills, that whole deal, teaching progressions and whatever else may be, you know, kind of at the table. Uh, and then aside from that, just the, the, you know, the social activities, the engagement, being present for them, taking their classes. Um, I'm actually just getting back from the gym now because I had a coach who wanted to go a little bit deeper and, and, and seeing and correcting. And it was a bit of a struggle to, to do all that while running a class. So I met with her for another coach's class where she didn't have the responsibility of coaching and we, she and I could just stand off to the side and go through some, some things and, and, and talk about what we were seeing and, and give her some tips. And, and that was a better learning environment for her. So I make myself available for things like that. And that, that helps. What's the, what's the hardest part of running a gym in Boston? Is it the mice or that horrible accent that people have? Uh, man, honestly, uh, it's all the, the, the hard AI sounds. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, terrible. It's, no, it's not the accent. Uh, to be honest, and, and this isn't a Boston thing. I think a lot of people experience this. Staffing is my biggest headache day to day. Like if, if nothing else, like if without staffing, I could wake up every day and be happy and the gym was going well and the product is good, the program and the members are happy, the coaches are happy. But it's a, it's a transient thing. You know, people come and go, they get their degree, they graduate, they move, they buy a house, they move, they have kids, they move, whatever. Right. Like I'm always losing people. Um, and <clears throat> to keep a pipeline of coaches or find coaches that are professional coaches and stay and are in this industry and can contribute and commit to the community. Um, it, it's tough. And there's a lot of people who want to be in this industry, but, there aren't always opportunities that afford them, you know, the perks of a, a, a livable wage or the benefits that they need to take care of themselves and their family. And so it's hard to to get good talent and to be able to provide enough for them to stay and not just be a part time coach and be able to invest more in this. Well, the the days of paying people eight bucks an hour and free fit aid are over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's so difficult to to it's hard. It's hard for a coach to make a like career out of mm -hmm. CrossFit coaching if it doesn't involve owning part of the gym, right? Yeah. Because it yeah. just, just the, the finances of owning a gym yep. make it extremely difficult for the gym owner and let's say an entire team of coaches to have like full livable wage Yeah, because it, that like, yes, I know CrossFit gyms are expensive, but realistically, like we don't have that many members compared right. to these like, mega gyms that can staff you know full-time people and you know management positions and stuff like that so i think that's like maybe a common misconception that people have is yeah is you know that yeah crossfit gyms make a ton of money and they can really afford to pay their coaches well i totally i always wanted to pay my coaches well right. i thought we did yeah. but it still is hard for us to meet the demand that you know, uh, a younger person comes in and says like, I want to make a career out of this. It's like, well, right. <laughs> there's really not much upward momentum within a CrossFit gym, right. or at least most CrossFit gyms, yeah. unless they eventually become an owner or unless, you know, they, they open up their own gym or something like that. So it's really hard. I remember that being a very, very tough thing, you yeah. know, back when I had my affiliate too. Still. Yeah. I don't want to unglorify the position because obviously I love what I do, but it's not a super, super cash flow positive business. Right. And a lot of gyms, there are definitely obviously exceptions on both ends, but like a lot of gyms in that middle ground are going to have enough cap space for one, maybe two salaries. And usually that's the owner. Right. And, and if, and maybe a head coach or GM, and then if not, it's, it's it, it's, it's rolled up in the owner's salary. And so 
you can't accommodate to your point, um, you know, someone else having a full livable wage, you can get someone an entry level position, right? Like there's an entry level salary, there's room for that. But to your point, as they mature within your business, there's not a lot of cap room to bump that salary up as they climb that ladder. Um, and to your point, the only way out is to become partner, owner, or go, you know, open your own and be that person. Right. Or, or that's where you see like a lot of these like hybrid models where it's like they have this huge yeah. PT roster. Or yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. 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 yeah, man, it, it's tough. And, um, you know, it's not a deterrent, not necessarily a complaint. It's just like, it's, it's yeah. really hard, but I, I totally respect what you said earlier about wanting to find professional coaches because mm-hmm. I, for a lot of small gyms is this is all they can do is they have a couple of members that are really eager about CrossFit. They get their level ones and they're like, perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, Todd, Larry, <laughs> Billy, you're coaches now, you know, <laughs> and they're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. And it, it actually does work really well in a lot of places. But mm-hmm. um, I was always in the mindset of like, I really wanted to find people who like wanted to be coaches, not yeah. just like, I want to coach for a free membership. Um, right. But it is, it's, it's a catch point too. It's very difficult to find yeah. a career oriented coach because it's very hard to make a long-term career in a CrossFit gym. without. I just, I just listened to a podcast on this with uh, Don Fall, CEO of CrossFit yeah. and, and his, one of his main tenets was they're trying to figure out, you know, how can they help affiliates ramp up quicker, understand how to make more money. And I have been toying with the idea of doing a short, podcast series on one of these two shows i do banking in my real life and teaching people like revenue and expenses like yeah you know it's because to your point i don't i'm not convinced most crossfit gyms can reach what we're what we want to obtain which is to your point highly trained highly skilled coaches that make a livable wage Mm -hmm. like unless they take on different revenue streams. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to bring on revenue streams outside of just growing membership because mm-hmm. there is a, for the most part, most gyms I think have a cap on how many members they can run. Because you need a certain number of coaches per member, and the more coaches you bring on, the more your expense line is going up, mm-hmm. and it becomes harder and harder and harder. Not to mention you need more equipment and more everything, you know. Um, so I, I do think if gyms can find ways to bring in other revenue streams, whether it's nutrition, coaching, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever kind of sales, bringing on different types of training, um, you know, I've been, you mentioned PTs, so like there's a lot of different things they can do to help generate that revenue in the off cycle. Cause most gyms are effectively closed certain hours of the day. Right. You know? Yeah. Like if you can figure out how to do that, you can make it work, but yeah. You know, there's just uh, I think the average member looking in just goes, oh, Larry's got it good. He's yeah. got he's got two gems. He's raking in the cash. Yeah, people run the math are like X amount of members. Yeah. You know, here's how much it is per month. And it's yeah. like equals yeah. Larry makes this much money. Yeah. It's like, it's not no. how it works. <laughs> Definitely not how it works. Yeah, yeah I still got to wake up and put my pants on and go to work every day. Otherwise, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's. It was funny when I bought my affiliate uh, or bought into it. I have two partners and literally the first day I like signed the paperwork mm-hmm. and my partner calls. She's like, Hey, the toilets are backed up. I'm That's like, damn, it. this is a real job. Like, welcome, welcome to affiliate ownership. <laughs> like day one. Yeah. I'm like, this sucks. Give me my money back. Full. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Man, that is no fun. Do it. Cause we love it though. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I would imagine that, uh, I, I, your coaches, do they feel extra stress because you're a, on seminar staff or is that just a huge value add for them? No, it, it's definitely a value add. And I think that comes from just my relationship with them. Like that could definitely be, um, you know, a, a tense relationship if it's like strictly transactional, strictly authoritative. But like I try to make it that we're, we're a family. And I think from that they appreciate, you know, what I do outside the gym and they know I'm only bringing this stuff back to, to better them and to contribute more to our community. And they appreciate that. So it's actually a really good working relationship in that regard. You should, uh, you should sell like back alley L1s. That'd be a good <laughs> for you. you know, like fake IDs. The L0.75. Great. I remember, so I actually was on the opposite end. Uh, I was a coach at, uh, a gym that had a red shirt. So I was, I was one of the coaches at Christmas Abbott's gym CrossFit invoke in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's where I started CrossFit effectively mm-hmm. and also started coaching. 
Um, and I still remember how nervous I was, uh, you know, admittedly Christmas can be a little intimidating sometimes, <laughs> yes. Yes, um, but, but deep down, like you knew that she was just trying to make her gym better. Cause it was her mm-hmm. name on it and, and her image, but also she was always like really, really pouring into me and the other coaches and just trying to make us better. And yeah. without her, without her input and without like her, honestly, her red shirt knowledge of like how mm. to run a class effectively from start to finish and seeing and correcting and cueing, you know, verbal tactile. Uh, what's the other kind of cue, Larry? Oh, <laughs> visual. visual. Thank you. Um, you know, like, like teaching us all these different things. Oh my gosh. Like I can confidently say it's, it's the only reason that wad prep probably exists today yeah. because she poured that time and energy into developing me yeah. and then was like, you know, be free, you know, go. Yeah. And, and then I had to leave and then I opened my own affiliate and the rest of yeah. history. So it's like, like Larry is, you know, changing lives here, not just on the athlete side, but also on the coaching development side. So yeah. it's probably a really big perk for his coaches. Uh, and if they don't know that, they should. Yeah. And there's something to say about the delivery of it all, too. Uh, and back to your, your question, John, and to your point, Ben, like I, when I was interning and, and, and becoming a, a professional coach, like I spent time with like Austin and Denise and that whole crew at Reebok. Right. And so to your point, Ben, I, I was super nervous when I was doing all this. Like I was dry and cotton mouth the whole time. Like every day I, I was under a lot of stress, and a lot of pressure to, um, you know, reach the expectations of these folks. And like, I wanted to be like them. And so like, there was a lot of pressure there. And so when I had the opportunity to share my knowledge and experience with others, I knew and took into account what I felt. And I tried to do the little things to diminish those feelings for them while still delivering the content in an effective way. So I think that helps too. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I'm watching your class and you're going to make mistakes. Like just know you're going to make mistakes. So if you stumble over a word, it's okay. You're not getting fired. You know, it's just like, Oh God, (laughs) the pressure is on. That's awesome, man. I love it. And you were with, you were with Austin. That dude's intense. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, dude. He's yeah. he's coming on my other show here in a couple of weeks. Oh, I'm nice. Already, I, yeah. I'm already nervous. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Like I was, you know, on on some being on seminar staff. Like we work a lot of different people in, in a lot of parts of the country, and so, um, you know, I travel somewhere outside the Northeast, and they're like, "Oh, like where are you coming from?" And I'd be like, "Oh, Boston," and they're like, "All right, listen." we're not doing the Austin thing out here. Like it was just like his reputation precedes him. Like where, where you go places, but no, I love him. He's, you know, he was one of my mentors officially through assignment at HQ, but also just a mentor on the fact that we are proximal. And I've spent a lot of time learning uh, from him. Like I've been to his house for Thanksgiving and that sort of deal. So um, I, I credit him a lot with, you know, stuff that I know and where I'm at and, and Denise as well. Like I spend, she's probably the person I spend the most time with now. Um, you know, we work a lot of seminars together, um, you know, and we pick each other's brains and call each other a lot on, on things. And so, um, as they say, iron sharpens iron. So while it may be nerve wracking and stressful, like I'm happy that I have people like that, that I can call to learn from at this stage of my career. Yeah. Yeah. You need, you need people in your life that are like that. Like people are going to push you to be better. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm not going to blow his head up, but Ben's like that for me. Like, you know, Ben's super knowledgeable. So I come in the show and I'm just trying to not sound like an idiot compared <laughs> to like kind of his wealth of knowledge, you know, and I, and I've got other people in my life that way too. My partners at the gym are that way. They're both really yeah. smart and really talented. And like, you just try to, you're trying to keep up. <laughs> most yeah. days. Yes. But you need that. Like you need yeah. people that are going to push you and make you do more and make you be better. But the trick is if you do that, you have to be willing to give back to others because mm-hmm. if you're just taking that in and not giving back to someone else, like what's the point? Oh, yeah, gosh. that's the, that, that was the trigger for me in my career. So, I mean, I kind of gave you the short version of, you know, how I got to where I'm at with regards to CrossFit. So now that we're on this subject, like I reached out to Reebok on a whim, like this was early in my CrossFit coaching career. Like I had just got my level one and I knew that, there was more out there. I knew there were people that were in the game longer that knew more than I knew at the time. And I shot a random throwing a daughter dartboard, a random email to the info account thinking like, they'll never get back to me. This is Reebok CrossFit one. They're the best in the world. I'm not going to hear from these people. And they got back to me and I ended up going and interning there. And I didn't know what any of this was. I didn't know about the level three, like, you know, they, they helped me get my L2. And then when I got back from that seminar on Monday, Austin's talking about the level three. Like I'm not making this story up. Like he literally on Monday after the level two was talking about level three. And I had no idea what that was. And so they showed me, you know, this, this, this way to, you know, continue my credential and further my education. And then also the possible career opportunities around it, like seminar staff and all this stuff was, you know, and, and because of that, I realized how much I'd gained in the short amount of time that I spent with them because 
they were outside my network and were able to expose me to other things that from that point on, I felt like I needed to make sure that I was that for someone else. And that just kind of escalated to where I'm at now, as far as I, as my gym ownership, my involvement with seminar staff, all, all the nonprofit work I do and everything else, it's all been outward facing and trying to leverage what happened to me with meeting those folks and trying to provide that and be that for others. What all certs do you have? You have L1, L2. Do you have the L3? I do have my level three. Yep. Are, are you a flow master yet? You uh, I'm not a flow master. Yeah. No. <laughs> my favorite one. I met Ch- Chuck once. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he's a level four flow master. I'm like, what yeah. the hell is a flow yeah. master? <laughs> level four flow master. It's, what? It's, it's like, we, we can't talk about those things. It's, it's, it's no, I'm just kidding. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, Chuck, Chuck's obviously an OG and very respected in the community. But yeah, level three um, in, in the CrossFit space. And, um, you know, like I said, outside of that, I started as a strength coach. So I went the whole, you know, traditional kinesiology degree, CSCS route before I got into any of all this stuff. So uh, that's where I'm at with that. Oh, I mean, so you could do all the taping while you're at it. Yeah. So I'm minor in athletic training, actually. So yeah, taping and treatment, that whole deal. Yeah. I spent a lot of time doing that. And there's nothing I loved earlier in my CrossFit journey. My been all of this, because kind of <laughs> how the show started was us just talking about all the dumb shit we did when we started. And that was me. I'd come, I had more tape on and like, I'd come into the gym. I'd look like a mummy. It was just like, yeah, like every little ache, low back, shoulders, wrists. I'm making wrist, hand wraps out of it. Yeah. I was going to say you had you, I know you had the tape, the tape hand things, you know, that you make out of the, 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 the old OG yeah, hand grip. Yeah. <laughs> Plus probably some really nice like American flag wrist wraps. Oh, um, I had it all, dude. All I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're wearing gloves, John. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I never wore gloves uh, ever. I refuse to do that. And my my hands are proof. If you could see my hands, you'd be like, damn, a dude has never worn grips in his life. Like I tore for years. Um, but I did like, here's how OG I am. I had knee socks that had all the sayings. Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Literally, like, I love how we both said it at the same time. Yeah, Bacon. Bacon. Same time. Yeah. yeah, I had one a couple that said ninja. That was those were my favorite. Um what shoes were you wearing? Because this will tell you when you got in. Oh well, of course, innovates the blue ones. Yeah. Blue innovates, yeah. baby. I had innovates when innovate. I started too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody had the 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 yeah. blue, the Smurf blue innovates were everyone's first shoe. Like, That's hilarious. One rope get... and they're done. Yeah, I one rope climb your shirt. They were like gold. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great shoes too. I love those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like when I started, uh, I started just prior to the nanos coming out. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like you had the only choice you had in those days were converse or innovate. If you wanted to choose the flat bottoms, it was nothing else. Yeah. Or no, actually there was, there was those shitty toe shoes. What are they called? (laughs) Yeah, five from five. brands. But I had a yeah. friend that wore those and he sounded like flippers when he was running. It was terrible. I hated those things. But well, it, he looked cool though. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I, had, debatable. I had innovates too when I started. But it's funny you mentioned the nanos coming out because I had a but like I said, the buddy who got me into it, he was all CrossFit crazy at the time. And apparently the the sell for these shoes was that they like mold to your feet. And so yeah. he was like putting them in the oven to like warm them up so that he could like put his foot yeah. in it. And like, I was just like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, <laughs> yeah, I tried that with those. It was bullshit. They didn't work. That didn't work. <laughs> totally did not work. And they had like two colors and yeah. one of the two colors was yellow and black. Yeah. And I'm from Cleveland. And so you can't wear yellow and black in Cleveland. <laughs> like, you know, is it too close to the Steelers? So I couldn't yeah. do that. And they yeah. finally came out with a blue and gray pair and I still have them and they're great. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. But, yeah, the OG nanos were some of the best shoes ever made. I think like the nano twos and the fours. Yeah, I got twos. I think especially that man. Yeah, myself, yeah. That shoe is sharp. Yeah, they're terrible yeah. to run in though. So bad to run in. <laughs> so bad. Oh well, you've seen, you've seen it all then. Like, uh, I mean, you know, you've got clearly got well over the decade of experience needed for this question. Then, just your general opinion, state of CrossFit between when you started a decade ago and kind of that underground vibe that we had versus where we are today yeah um it, it's it's funny like i i talk about this a lot with people that are like are you, are you getting bored is crossfit is, is crossfit tailing off um the short is that i think crossfit's evolving and, and and it's evolving in its capabilities and the the demographic of people that it's serving um and what i mean by that is you know like you said back in the day uh it was it was easy it was a garage gym you just you just come in and you throw down like there wasn't you know, towels and, and showers and there weren't rowers, right? Like it, it, you just came in and you did the thing. 
And that reached its peak. You know, we got a bunch of people in just off the strength of that. And then we started wanting nicer facilities and, and things of that nature. And so, you know, there was a shift in what the gym looked like and what amenities they had. And that brought in a new demographic of folks. And then that kind of reached its peak. And now we're at a life cycle where we got people who've been in this community for long enough where they start to have different goals from when they began. And if we didn't adapt to cater into those goals, they were going to be, you know, lost as members. They were going to go be a part of a different community. So what you're seeing is that a lot more gyms are adding nutrition services. They're adding daycare or CrossFit kids programs. They're adding pregnancy and postpartum training because they're trying to cater to the entire life cycle of the members and the family. And so I think CrossFit has matured and grown in that capacity, um, being able to provide those services, being able to market that that's, those services are available within this ecosystem. And that's giving it a new lifeline and a new longevity compared to where we started. I love that. And, you know, like Ben's created this entire ecosphere within and outside of CrossFit. Like, I love how it's it's evolved and not only what you're describing in the gym, but mm -hmm. outside of the gym, you've got guys like Ben that are brilliantly taking people and giving them skills and then sending them back to us. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, my goal from the get-go was always to, uh, like, I never wanted to build Wad Prep to take away from affiliates in any way, shape, or form. It's like the the affiliate does an excellent job at, you know, giving people the best hour of their day, you know, shout out to Ackerman, right. <laughs> Another CrossFit level. He'll love four, that. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. He'll love that. He'll gobble yeah. that one right up. Uh, um, clip it and put anyway, it on a show and cut everything else out. That's literally, it'll just, this will be an advertisement. Um, anyway. So, um, you know, you're trying to make it the best hour of their day, but I realized like as an affiliate owner, there were limitations to what I could provide. Like I couldn't necessarily provide customized services for every person in, in an affordable manner on top of their, you know, or included in their membership. So I realized like, Hey, what wad prep can do is help, help the, the, the CrossFit Kool-Aid drinker. Like the person is like, wow, I really like this. And I'm going to actually go seek more information to get better at it, which isn't everyone. A lot of people just go on, they get their workout, they leave. Right. But for the people who are like, you know what, I really want to learn this thing and I'd, I'd like to go the extra mile to learn it. That's where Wad Prep comes into play. It's like we give them the cues. We give them some, some ideas, some, some coaching, some programming, and we tell them to like make sure they ask their affiliate owner for permission to maybe do it off to the side or do it as mm -hmm. a part of the warm-up or something like that. And then it, it hopefully enhances their experience. It's like a seamless uh, experience with the affiliate owners rather than something that's butting heads against it. And I think that's really important because the, like ultimately if affiliates die in any way, shape or form CrossFit dies, because that's like, mm -hmm. that's where the magic is. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. a great methodology. And yeah, people do it at home in their garage gyms and have a great time, uh, you know, with friends and family, but like really the, the affiliate model that that is where the magic is. So I've, I've always wanted to build something that can continue to support that affiliate model. I'm, I'm always amused by this kind of mindset I hear within the community occasionally that CrossFit is getting too soft. You know, like when we started, I don't know what it's like for you, Larry, but Ben talks about this all the time. Like our both of our first workouts were like, oh, you didn't puke? What? You didn't puke? Do it again. I did puke. Yeah, in Ben's case, he did puke. First three. But that was that was the mindset then. Like if you weren't if you weren't puking or close to puking, you weren't intense enough. That was all we cared about. Bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, like to your point, we're talking about postpartum training and, and elderly people and, you know, mm -hmm. and so there's this kind of undercurrent I hear within the community that CrossFit's gotten too soft. Is that the evolution we're talking about or is it, or are, do you think we are getting too soft at times? No, I don't, I don't think it's soft. I think what you've talked about is still there. Like there's that element of it, um, you know, for the folks who are in it for the sport and folks who may be a little bit more competitive just within their own gym and in their classes, like that CrossFit is still there. But what you're seeing is that there are now multiple lanes that people are walking in to do their relative version of CrossFit. And that's the, that's the big takeaway is that it's relative. And that's what we preach. That's the methodology. That's what we teach the level one seminar. And so there needs to be an appreciation and an understanding of that aspect of it. I think the coaches have gotten better too, quite a bit better. Like the I, yeah. people yeah. understand the methodology, but thanks to people like Ben, like yeah. to be honest, like teaching people how to be better coaches. And yeah. My my first coach, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I was a, and I was dude, that was my first year of CrossFit. Keep in mind, I'd never worked out in my life. I was not the physical specimen you see today, Larry. Right. <laughs> and not the Greek god. Yes. And we had kettlebell swings. 
and I had the the little blue kettlebell, which is what twenty six pounds, maybe something like that, and baby blue, <laughs> and it was killing me. I was out of shape, and my coach, who was, I mean, he was a games athlete. The dude was super fit, mm-hmm. and was had the ego we were talking about earlier like looks at me shakes his head walks over gets a heavier kettlebell walks over takes my kettlebell away and makes me do the heavier one and damn near I injured myself you know like I look back on that now and I'm like if I'd had the courage to tell him to screw himself I should have because that's not good coaching you know it's it's I hate to use the term bullying because it isn't that but it's kind of what it is it's like you know here like if he had sat me aside and said all right we're going to slow you down and do good form and I'm going to make use the heavier one, but it's going to be in a more controlled environment. That would have been good coaching, not in the middle of a, you know, workout where we're all trying to get it done in four minutes and go puke after. It's probably a 38 minute Matt con or something like that. It's probably four minutes for everyone else, but 30. (laughs) I I think John, what's happening is just like Larry said, um, it's evolving or I would say maybe it's maturing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like CrossFit is maturing. We're like, you know, back in the, mid 2000s late 2000s um back when i started it was like crossfit was like the the eager teenager trying to prove himself and and like show everyone how awesome we are you know like and i'm i know not that's not for everyone but it was like that was the perception that's why i liked it because i was like oh man it's just so hardcore it's cool but now crossfit is like i tell everyone it's like crossfit is so approachable like i just had i just had brunch this morning with uh, my aunt and my uncle they're both mid sixties. And they still go to CrossFit five days a week. The CrossFit gym that I originally founded that has now been sold a couple times. They still go there mm-hmm. um, like five days a week. And it's because the methodology is sound and it makes them fitter people. They enjoy it, but they're they're They didn't come into CrossFit trying to be super hardcore. They came because yeah. I promised them that it was an approachable fitness methodology that can be scaled to anyone and everyone to get a great stimulus and that's what it does and it does it over and over again so i think it's just a I think it's a maturity thing and no. i think the i think maybe the perception of crossfit getting softer is more of just crossfit as a as a business and as like a community trying to be more accessible to the people that it can change lives for right exactly. like if crossfit has this crazy hard shell of like like all we do is forge elite fitness. And if you're not uh, like one notch below Navy SEAL, like you're worthless. Like if you're not running into burning buildings, you're not cool enough. You know, it's like that is no longer that no longer exists because CrossFit can help so many more people than just the the blowhards that want to do really hard things all the time and tell everyone about it. Right. It's like CrossFit can help everyone. So I think the perceived softness is more of just like, hey, no, like we're just making this accessible for the people yeah. that it can it can help. Yeah, it's growth and expansion. Um, yeah, yeah, right before you made that comment, that's literally what I was thinking when you were talking about your parents. I'm like, think about how much smaller this community would be if we didn't cater to those demographics, right? Like if it was so exclusive that it was just the the, the hard-nosed folks, right? Like this community yeah. would be much smaller and we wouldn't have any of the, the, the stuff that we've been able to take advantage of from being in this community because of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, that podcast I, watched, I listened to the other day with Don Fall, uh, he said there are 2 million CrossFitters. That seems like an absurdly low number to me. Mm-hmm. Think yeah. about it, like 2 million. There's yeah. just not that many. Now, I know they're just take, you know basing that off an average of what they think the affiliates have because they don't truly right. know, let's right. be honest. Like, they don't really know. You know, And I'm sure there's, you know, let's be generous and say there's 2 million more out in garages mm-hmm. and you know doing other things. It's still only 4 million. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, a, it's a teeny tiny market mm-hmm. and – the only way that it's going to hit the, the, you know, he wants to keep growing it. Um, the only way it's going to hit those metrics is, is by making it more accessible. Right? Like that, that's what's going to get people. You still have to have the top, right? Like, like the CrossFit games on television actually does help people get into CrossFit gyms. Even though a lot of people don't yeah. think it does. Like you still have to have that. Like, Holy cow. It's, it's not like people watch NBA basketball and they're like, well, I'm never going to play basketball. Like, can you see, do you see what LeBron James does? Like, no way. I, you know, I'm not going to play basketball. It's like, no, it, people realize it's like, oh, I can play that. So I, I'm really excited to see, I hope that it's not dying in any way, shape or form. I hope it's not flatlining. Like I, I think we've had, a, you know, the snow globe has been shaken the last few years with various changes in ownership and politics and various, you know, things like that. But I'm hoping that like, 
once the dust settles, we just continue that forward momentum and with accessibility um, and, and some, and having like HQ, uh, you know, have their head on straight, which I really do think it seems like everybody is, is really gelling over there. I'm hoping that we're just moving in the right direction, man. Mm-hmm. Stoked. What do you think about these partnerships they're bringing in? I'd be curious as your your thoughts as affiliate owner, uh, specifically Chipotle is the one ah, uh, that everyone everyone's been touching on. There's been a lot of manufactured outrage around that one. In my opinion, um, yeah, I knew you were going to say Chipotle. I'm going to be honest. My first reaction was I was pissed because back when I started CrossFit, like Chipotle is like all I ate, like all day, every day, like all right. three meals. And if there was some way, shape, or form I could have benefited from this partnership back then, I would have <laughs> loved and appreciated yeah, it. Right. Now I'm retired and I don't work out like that anymore and i don't have a chance to get to that level so i was pissed that chipotle came in this late in the game late. um yeah i it, it's funny i had a conversation with a gym owner who was pretty upset about chipotle being a partner um and uh, you know long story short like it could be worse right like, it could have been a, a snickers bar or some sort of you know gross sugary product that's not good for the people um you know with the right intention chipotle is a place that we can go and eat in a way that corresponds with the fitness that we seek and you know what we're doing so i don't i don't think it's you know a terrible thing i don't think it's the end of the world that chipotle is here as a partner um and so hopefully you know some people can can have their eyes open to, to what this really is and, and it's not necessarily just a, a money grab <clears throat> yeah i think you gotta pick your battles too it's like man for people who are freaking out about a Chipotle sponsor. <laughs> it's like we're putting the cart before the horse here, right? Like, like, like overall calorie reduction and increased activity levels. Like, those are the things we're working on here. Not does this restaurant cook with a specific kind of oil that may or may not sort of give some people influence. It's like, come on, guys. Like, I just think everyone's going to complain about something, but like, yeah. there are yeah. there are bigger fish to fry here. Um, or to cook, to grill, you know, because of crossfitters there, it's like, this is not the battle to, to fight. I don't think, uh, but everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I'm just like, yeah, okay. A lot of people love Chipotle and I personally, I can go eat Chipotle quite frequently and, and take care of my macros really well. And, yeah. you know, I feel fine. And yeah. I know that's not for everyone, but works great for me. So yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Not even a little. Yeah. Like, first of all, I'm like you, Larry. I love Chipotle. Love it. <laughs> like, uh, I was talking, and I talked to my doc. You know, one of my partners is a doctor, and so I like. I'm a curious guy. I'm like, what do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everyone's bitching about the seed oils, and he just rolls his eyes. He's like, it's not that big a deal. It's mm-hmm. not that big a deal. And I want you to keep in mind, he works for CrossFit Health, so right. he's right. like ingrained in the system. Um, so can we cut this up and get an endorsement from Chipotle? Is Maybe. That- yeah. <laughs> All I want I, is just yes. my guacamole to be free for the rest of my life. Yeah, I don't I even need the Chipotle money. Like, no, it's not two dollars for me, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, we don't need a Chipotle sponsorship. I just, yeah, give me free guac. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Let me get, let me get double chicken without like you know without side eye and charging. I think back, I mean, we're OG, so this will resonate with you. Like, I think back to when we started, and in, in those days, it was all paleo. That's all mm-hmm. anybody said, mm-hmm. right? Now, mm-hmm. there's no gripe on paleo. Paleo is not a bad diet, but it's not for everyone. Right. It's not. And neither is keto, which was Greg's thing. Like, I went to those CrossFit health seminars. Like, Greg invited me to a couple, and I heard the sermons, and it was all about keto. All of it. You know? Again, nothing wrong with keto. I put my parents on it at one point, but it's not for everyone. Right. And that's the point. Like there is no one size fits all and any nutritionist worth their weight will tell you that, you know? And so I think Ben, you, you said it perfectly, reduce calorie, you know, restriction and get some exercise and get people to eat healthier and exercise. That's the magic formula, man. And I think people are smart enough that when they get into CrossFit and they really get into it, they're going to go kind of like you did, Larry, maybe I don't need this three times a day. Maybe I'll do it a couple times a week in moderation and the rest of the time, I'm going to adjust my diet to something that makes sense for how I'm working out. Mm-hmm. And the needs of that are different based on the individual. The grandparents you're training in Boston certainly shouldn't be eating, you know, 100 grams of carbs at every meal because they got their next big wad coming up. Right. You know, <clears throat> they're going to have a much different calorie load than Ben does, who probably eats 10,000 calories a day of ice cream and doesn't gain an ounce. <laughs> You know, it's just, it's, yeah, <laughs> I hear you still do it. 
I, I, I tried that diet once. It, it actually worked when I was younger. <laughs> I'm very, I'm, yeah, it works. It works yeah, with the proper uh, movement. Uh, but I think like kind of going back to like, just got to pick your battles. It's like, yeah, there could, you know, every single sponsor probably of CrossFit has some ethical snafu that we could like, like really get angry at or something like that. Like where does rogue fitness get their metal from? I bet it's bad, you know, right. like, but we're like, what are we battling here? I think as CrossFit, we're, yeah, there's nutrition elements. Obviously it's very, very important. That's the foundation, but, but we're, we're bad. We're battling sedentary lifestyles, right? If we can like get people to move more, a lot of those dominoes st- start falling. So I just, yep. I, w- I would rather like, let's battle the, the, people sitting all day let's battle uh people not moving let's let's try to get people moving more because if we increase that movement i think we're getting everybody in the right direction when people start going to affiliates and they start like i remember when i started crossfit christmas uh did a food journal log for me and she's like i want you to log everything you eat for a week and i logged it and she literally responded with laughter Mm. like i like one of my (laughs) one of my food submissions was two pints of ben and jerry's and a pickle Mm. Mm-hmm. Right, like, oh like that's what I ate before my workout, and like, you I was like, you were pregnant. <laughs> yeah, I had two, two, two pints of Ben and Jerry's, and I was like, ah, I'm still hungry. And then I just ate a pickle because yeah. I was out of food because you know I'm in college, and because uh, it was buy one get one free Ben and Jerry's, and like I thought I was gonna be buy one get one free pickles. So you no, know, no, 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 no. I get the the high dollar pickles. Um, but it, it just like I wouldn't have any nutrition knowledge uh, if it wasn't for getting into the affiliate and then like slowly yeah. she's like maybe you should stop eating this and try right. eating this so it's like but i wouldn't have that if i wasn't just in the gym wanting to move yeah. so once we get people in, into the affiliates i think then we can you know yeah. start to start to worry about their chipotle yeah. order but yeah. like i said if it was like some like grease trap like i'd have a much different perspective on it right like something that wasn't didn't have an option for people to eat healthy but sure. it does so yeah. i just think i think people view that um that company is a healthy option and particularly people outside of fitness, mm-hmm. you know, and those are our people. Those are the people you want to see our brand next to them. Cause then they might come try us, mm-hmm. you know, like that's what you're trying to, like you're trying to find like-minded people. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's kind of like politics. Like we all agree on some things. We all disagree on some things. This is no different. Like I disagree with some of the stuff Chipotle sells. I don't buy it, you know, but there's a lot of stuff they make that I love, you know, and I'm going to eat it. Like, it's kind of simple. I don't go places that I like every single thing on the menu. Just right. That's just the way it is. You know? That's life. Sure. I hope it works. I hope it brings in people. We'll see. You know, yeah. I don't know. They're smarter yeah. than me. <laughs> what's, uh, you know, as we get close to wrapping up here, Larry, what's next for you and your affiliate? What do you have coming up? Um, so we're, like I said, we're big in like the community and, and social events. So we're, we're getting ready to have a, uh, spring formal, um, and, and April. Um, so we get to dress up and like, we're going to prom in high school and do that whole jig and, you right. know, so yeah, so that's super fun. But obviously we, you know, we just did the open and the whole Friday night, like gig and, and everything around that. Um, we had an in-house competition right before the open that we do annually. Um, I'm bringing in a friend of mine who runs a online fitness brand and she's going to do some in-person yoga for us, which is awesome. Our members love being able to stretch and do that. So we got a lot of little one-off community events going on. So exciting stuff. That's good stuff, man. Yeah. Ben, what about you? What do you have coming up? You're on mute. You got to hit the mute button. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like to practice my turkey calls when you guys are talking. So yeah, I'm going to my turkey calls because what's coming up next is turkey hunting. That's my, that's my big one. Going to Nebraska in the middle of nowhere for some turkey hunting. Um, still training hard at uh, CrossFit Coda because uh, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, I just love the community up there. And their iron definitely sharpens my iron because those mm-hmm. guys up there that I try to keep up with are so fit. But I, I've just – I've really, really – had a good groove with training lately so i'm enjoying that uh and then just you know keeping up with the ted lasso episodes that's pretty much what oh, i've got going too. on new season i'm so happy <laughs> i'm so happy how about you john yeah what about you um well i've got i'm finally healthy and not coughing my brains out which is very encouraging that's um good. i have a fundraiser coming up uh through the affiliate i've um we try to find uh, charities work with and we have uh, two um, adaptive classes in our mm-hmm. gym and so we've chosen a, uh, a, a 
charity called Dylan's House, and it's an autism charity. And we're going to do a fundraiser for them uh, over the next six to eight weeks online. And then basically, we're every dollar you donate, I'm going to row a calorie on the assault rower up to a full marathon. So Mm -hmm. we're capping it at the full marathon because I'm not doing more than that. Like, it will (laughs) literally kill me. Um, But we thought that'd be a good thing to do. Like, you know, we... Our adaptive classes are mostly in that intellectual division. So we have, you know, Down syndrome, autism, mm-hmm. a few that are deaf, um, some of those things. And so um, we thought it'd be nice to give back into that community and, and to do something a little different, you know, find a charity, charity that's not, you know, locked and loaded in CrossFit, like something that's local and, uh, you know, that would really benefit kind of our local community. So that's what's next for me, training for that. And then. Ben and I are going to go head to head on the assault rowers at the games in August. Give him his chance uh, for redemption from when I beat him at Wadapalooza. Nice. Four can't seconds. Wait. I can't wait to poison him. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The whole, the whole ice skating thing all over again, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got no shot at winning that head to head. Let's just be honest. Like in a, in a gauntlet style scenario, I knew that was my best shot at, at glory and I'm going to take it and I'm never going to let, been live it down but in a head-to-head when it's the only thing we're doing yeah let's be honest i don't know john you got you have you have a size advantage I, i'm not gonna don't play these mind games with me you're, <laughs> you're 20 years younger than me dude come don't on play these mind games with me. i don't i don't care how much taller i am i am 20 years older than you you could be uh, my kid uh, I mean, you had 20 more years of, of hard training to prepare mm-hmm. for this event so you're yeah, I've clearly been doing that. You can tell. You <laughs> had sure. 20 years of oh, vertical God. growth. Yeah. I'll, be the, I'll be the referee that event. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're coming to the games. You're going to be there. I'll be there. Yeah. So yeah. All right. You can yeah. come. You can come judge it. That'll I'll be fun. Be, yeah. <laughs> I want. I want Larry behind me throwing up his hands when I'm <laughs> down to down to 10 meters or whatever. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Gotta make it look good too. Yeah. Be perfect. On one knee. Yeah. 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 That's it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining, Larry. Super fun. Sorry, sorry, I forgot who you were. No, it's all and, good. And uh, Ben, great seeing you as always, man. For everyone uh, joined, we appreciate you guys joining tonight, and we will chat with you guys soon. Peace.